Hi, I'm Monty Sharp, and I'd like to welcome you to the Gatekeepers Initiative. What in the world is a gatekeeper, you may ask? I'm so glad you asked. The world's gatekeepers proclaim that they're protecting their community, but in reality, they're elevating themselves by denying others entrance to the community by belittling and devaluing them. God's gatekeepers protect their communities through loving devotion to those around them. They're there to encourage that which is good and reject that which brings harm. So let's take a deeper dive today in how God is calling you to be a gatekeeper. Thanks so much for joining us again. And I have the privilege of sitting here with my son, Ryan Sharp. Uh, I should say Pastor Ryan Sharp. Please don't. <laughs> Ryan's a pastor. At, where are you at the pastor, bud? Well, hey, Dad. Uh, I am the pastor at Impact Church in Menifee. I'm right up the road from you guys and have been there for, I want to say, seven years. Uh, I'm going on eight now. It's awesome. Yep. Done a lot of good work up there. I am Thanks. proud of you, incidentally. Thank you. Not just uh, for what you're doing there, but more than anything, I'm proud of who you are. I love the man that you are. Thanks. Um, that's more important than the things that you do because those things you do all come out of the, the core of that. Um, but you didn't get here easily. Nope. You know, there's a lot of struggles and difficulties that we all go through as growing up. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of that today. Father-son thing and, and parenting things and being on the other end of that. Um, Let's do it. Even some of the things of what it's like growing up as a PK, pastor's kid. Mm -hmm. um, that's not always easy. Right. Uh, incidentally, we've got Andy, his son, my grandson is more important, sitting <laughs> over on the couch over there. And you'll probably hear from him in, in a podcast uh, here within the next year or two. So I guess first question I've got is, was it easy growing up in our household? Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of great things about it. Well, I'd say easy, not always, um, but uh, but yeah, like you said, it wasn't always the the, the simplest thing, or it wasn't always a straight road. But um, I, I I definitely can't just say, well, it's because I was a pastor's kid or Monty's kid. Although I did joke often growing up that my my unofficial middle name was Monty Son. Because uh, that's how everybody knew me. Uh, oh, sorry, but even though my real middle name is Wayne, uh, but but everyone, yeah, that was kind of like an alter identity that 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 was uh, how people understood and knew me at the time. And uh, it was a, a it could have been a lot worse. Let's put it that way. It was a good thing, um, and so many blessings that came with that. And we've talked a lot about that, even with with uh, my own kids. I say we, Tracy, my wife, and I have talked about it with with our own kids. Uh, or regarding our own kids too, how it is a huge blessing to to have people uh, know your parents and think well of your parents, so that when they meet you, they give you what a lot of other kids don't get, which is the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, they they will assume uh, right off the bat that that you're a good kid, and there's a lot of positives that come with that. Um, but of course, along with it too, there come a lot of expectations. Yes. Um, so yeah, they were there and I definitely felt the fishbowl effect and there were pressures that came along with that. Um, but I think I put as many on myself, if not more than other people would place on me. Um, I, I wanted to point the finger saying it was them, but it was, it was really me just trying to, to live up to what I, I felt I needed to be at times as, as Monty's son and Karen's son as <laughs> yes, well. Yes, that's mom. exactly Can't right. Can't leave her out. 
that was probably a whole lot easier because she's easier to, to deal with than me. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I watched that too. It was one of the things, uh, probably the greatest source of heartburn and heartache in life is unmet expectations. Yeah. And um, when you feel the pressure of what people expect from you, mm. when we let other people's expectations define who we are, yeah. then we're jumping through hoops and performing all of our life. And it is not, it, it sets us up for failure heartburn heartache all the way through you did really well managing all that incidentally but I, <laughs> well is a very relative term i guess <laughs> didn't always feel that way and and it definitely can the expectations you place on yourself it, yeah. that's those are sometimes the hardest yeah there's an old saying that we are what we think other people think we are that's a good one we are what yeah. we think other people think we are yeah, yeah. it's a it's a it's a good one. It's what a lot of us suffer with yeah. uh, in our culture today. We've got identity problems everywhere. Yeah. Um, instead of recognizing the truth is that our failures don't define us, our expectations and other people's expectations don't define us, Jesus defines us. Amen. When did you discover that and really get set free from that? Um, I think that it, it's been, it's, it was later on, I think, in my own faith journey with Jesus uh, that, that I had to come to that place because you know this about me. This is not news to you, but I was very much that performer, achiever, learned at an early age. We always joked it was my preschool performance that <laughs> that maybe brought that out of me when I, I was, the, for those of you who are listening, and I, I was the crying kid in my first preschool performance <laughs> where every parent felt terrible and was so thankful that I wasn't their child in the moment because I just cried through the entire first song and all my friends were just smiling and doing all the motions and, and I just kept rubbing my eyes and crying and sobbing. So it was, it was rough, but at the intermission, uh, my, my dad went back and told me I didn't have to do it, but I, I guess I, I wanted to, I didn't want to leave and give up. And so I finally, during the second part, managed to, to choke out my name and, uh, and it took me a while, kind of sobbed through it. But when I finally got my name out, that's all it was, was my name. The whole crowd just went crazy. They, they really did too. Ovation, man. It was thunderous <laughs> applause. And my parents said that all of a sudden I, I, my hands came down from my face and my eyes were wide and I listened to the adoration of, of so many and, and got my first taste of, of what it's like to hold people and the, just the grips of drama. <laughs> <laughs> so it changed my whole demeanor and I came, I came I was, from that point on, I was good to go and, and had, had, had a great time. But we joke about that, obviously, but, but it was definitely a part of just what was ingrained in me as a person and my personality to, to be that people pleaser. And while, while it made for a good kid, a lot of times the reasons I was a good kid and wrestling through that made it, made it more challenging. And so then you partner that with the expectations that you feel other people have. And my greatest fears became not any kind of sin or things I was struggling with, but that other people would know about those things because I wanted to keep them looking at me a certain way. I had um, to have that perfect oh, yeah. image, right? Oh, yeah. Because that, that's like you said, that, that's our, their perception of me becomes my identity and who I am. Yeah. And that's the only, I didn't know who I was at that point, even though I had it told me, I, did, I didn't know. It hadn't sunk into my heart and my head at that point, truly. And so I think there's this concept called the, the looking glass self, which is that idea, right? That we find, we see our identity is found and seen in other people's perceptions of us. Yeah. And when you really think about the, the truth of that, 
and how superficial most people's perceptions of us are. The fact that we give it so much weight as to construct our identity is pretty tragic and, yeah. and, and dumb. <laughs> I can't think of a better word there. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they don't, they don't even really know who we are. So we're, we're forming who we are and our own self-perception based on other people's superficial perceptions instead of looking to the only one who can truly tell us who we are. And you did such a good job growing up of, of establishing identity and affirming that. And I never forgot those words, but it took the Holy Spirit to yeah. actually connect them to my heart so that what I knew and had heard from you, I, I wasn't able to just dismiss as, yeah, but dad just doesn't know. He just doesn't understand. Yeah, he's, he has to say that he's my dad. I had to come to a place through my own journey and thing and fallen and letting him pick the Lord, pick me up and going through all these twists and turns. To finally come to a place of going, I can't find my identity in any of these things. I just have to know who I am as a child of God. And that was a pretty awesome moment. And it it probably, I mean, it it was as an adult, like having to go through some hard things before I finally discovered that. Um, And that was kind of cool because being Monty's son was a wonderful gift, but being God's son, sorry, dad, even better. (laughs) And and that was was a a, a neat um, revelation for me. So. That's awesome. Yep. Sets you free, huh? Really. Very much so. Man, you know, I think so many of us struggle with this need or uh, drive to perform, Mm -hmm. you know, to perform like a circus act or something, uh, to be able to perform to win people's approval. And we don't have to perform to win God's approval. He already knows who we are. Yeah. He loves us the way we are. Right. And the good news is that he loves us enough to not leave us the way we are. Yep. You know, he's always working on us to be able to uh, be more like him. Yeah. But it's not by our might, not by our power, but by his spirit. Amen. And I love seeing that in you, but I, and I love the way that it, I, it, it's, it is so fun watching you interface, uh, interact with people. Um, you know, being a pastor of a church is one of the most difficult things that a person could ever encounter in life. And most people don't know that, you know, they have no clue. But, you know, after every service, the typical service is, wow, that was a great service, but, you know, or, you know, or, you know there's always a complaint. There's always people opining and, and what they feel um, that has nothing to do with what reality is necessarily. And to be there and to love on them and shepherd them and handle what they say, even though it hurts or it can be rough or whatever. And I've watched you just grow into this amazing shepherd that loves people, but lives in the truth. You know, that those things don't affect you anymore. And it's like, because you're so free of that, you're so free to be able to Focus on who they are, what their hurt is, what's going on in their life, and to help them be set free too. That's a really awesome thing. Thank you. And, and, and again, journey <laughs> definitely did not come easily. But you can't, you really cannot care for people the way Christ has called us to while you still need things from them. It sounds yeah, like a weird concept, no, but sure. to, to come to a place of going, okay, I, I truly, I, I don't need anything from these people that God has called me to care for because Jesus, Jesus didn't need from his disciples. He didn't need to find, he didn't need their affirmation. He didn't need their approval. He didn't need their acceptance. He didn't need, 
He didn't need any of these things to validate or verify who he was. Yeah. He was able to freely serve and lay his life down, even in John 13, the, the whole story of him washing the disciples' feet. I love how that chapter starts, where he didn't just stand up in the middle of the meal and start doing it. It starts by, by emphasizing, where John emphasizes Jesus knowing he had come from the Father, right? knowing he was going back to the Father. So knowing who he was as the Son of God, God incarnate in the human flesh. He had no qualms about that. There was no insecurity or fear there with his identity. Jesus knew who he was. So knowing who he was then freed him to be who he needed to be for his disciples and to serve them and care for them and forgive them and what he's done for all of us. That's the beauty of it is the more we lose ourselves in that because we know who we are and who God has made us, we're then free to love people even when they're not, as you say all the time, love people when they're not always lovable. <laughs> but I don't know if you remember, but we had a, we had a, a conversation early on uh, where, and this is well before I was actually in ministry, but had some opportunities to speak at youth groups and little youth conferences. And I was still a youth myself. I don't know what those people were thinking, but to hire me. But I remember being able to have those chances and loving being able to teach but really preferring to just go teach and tell people what is what from the word and then just going about my merry way and never having to actually deal with all of the real ministry stuff. Like I just wanted to go and say something and take off. And you sat me down. I don't know if, do you remember this conversation? Where we maybe had multiple, I don't know. <laughs> but at least one I remember that stands out. But where you set me down and, and you said something to the effect about your your ministry will only be as significant as your love for God's people. And, and it was that idea of significance and, and loving people. And why are, you, why are you crying, man? You're tearing up. This is, these are your words. I'm <laughs> but yeah, I never forgot that. Obviously, that, that was, that was life-changing and, and, and very pivotal for me in my ministry because I didn't care about people. I just cared about at most, I cared about just saying what God wanted me to say. Yeah. And, and so my prayer was that. I would pray. God, just, I don't care what anybody's response is. Let me just say what, what I, I, you want me to say, and that's, that's all I care about. And the Lord had to bring me to this place of going, wait, why, why am I not caring what their response is? Like, I, I need to care what their response is. This is about them. This is the people of God that Christ has purchased with his own blood. Like, I need to care for them well. And that, that was definitely birth with that seed you planted of going, you got to love people. got to yeah. love people. And no, they're not always the easiest to love in church. Like I, <laughs> I get that they hear from me often. We're family. We say it all the time. And family is forged. It's not just something you find. you got to fight for it and, and love people when, when it's not easy. Um, but man, oh man, like the way I try to look at it is when people come and have their opinions and do all those things. I just try to step back and go, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, that these people, they're invested. They care. <laughs> Sometimes they care a little too much, but they care. And that's a good thing, much better than complacency. So, yeah. I, I think the difference between where you were originally and yeah. where you became is a difference between a prophet and a shepherd. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the prophet comes in and speaks, thus saith the Lord. And right. usually you look at the prophet as uh, oftentimes comes with harsh message yeah. and turn or burn, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the shepherd is truly the reflection of God's heart. Right. right. You know, that 
that uh, loving kindness, the hesed or hesed, that mm. and everlasting love that in, implies that the person loving and the person being loved right. belong together. Right, right. And according to Ephesians 4, they're both necessary. Yes, they right? are. Right, yeah. to be able to, to still have the, the prophetic gifting of speaking forth God's word, which I think for you and for me throughout our lives has come a little bit more easily. Um, because we, I mean, that's, that's something I, th- I feel like the Lord instilled in my heart early on too, even from your modeling, um, of just the value of God's word and, and yeah. it's, it's the source, it's everything. Right. And just that passion for it. So I think that prophetic aspect of things comes a little more naturally, but the shepherding thing didn't come as naturally for me. I don't know about you. I don't know if that was no. an easy thing early on or. No, I, I remember, um, just passionately seeking Jesus and wanting to do what he wanted me to do. Yeah. You know, and spending that much time in the Word that was just crazy. Yeah. And, and then one day the Lord saying, you do not love me supernaturally, uh-huh. and you are not loving others supernaturally. Hmm. And I'm going, Lord, I love every, I, I am loving people. I'm known for, people know me as a lover. I'm a hugger. I love people. <laughs> and he goes, not the same as you could love them in my strength yeah. and in my power. Yeah. You know, and so I'm going, okay, that's true. Yeah, so, so what do I do about this? Yeah. And Sam, look, those of you that are going, what do you mean you're having this conversation with God? And usually didn't hear audible voices. Sometimes it's the, the thought in my head was so strong, it was almost like an audible voice. But these are just the, the impressions the Lord was laying on my head. I thought I heard an audible voice once, but it was just my buddy messing with me on a microphone. <laughs> Learned a valuable lesson. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust him. So the Lord just said, hey, you know, a- ask me. Mm-hmm. That love, and so mm-hmm. I started praying for God to give me a supernatural love for people, His love for people. Wow, hmm. what a difference yeah. that is! Yeah, you know, that's when it's not by my might or power, but through His strength, yep, it changes everything. Yeah, it does, it, it does, it really does, and it becomes joyful, uh, it gives you the ability to endure through hard things with, with people. Yep, uh, and and it, it's the, the plumb line that we keep coming back to. I remember one time I was, I, I had a, a, f- a friend that I was coaching with, and uh, the friend was a pastor, and, and this friend basically kind of came and said, well, you know, your ministry really is, is not really significant. It's kind of a, a parachurch, and it's the church that really is important, and, ah. and it's, you know, it's kind of like, almost like you really shouldn't even be in parachurch, and I went... Wow, that one hurt, <laughs> you know. And and I had given him; he, he was a new church plant, and I'd given him all the kids for his youth ministry, and and um, they all came out of mine, and yeah. I and encouraged them to go there, and, and we coached together. <laughs> and I remember that, and I remember being so angry, and it just you know how it is. You get one of those things, and I was righteous, you know, and I have righteous anger, and I'm going. <laughs> so I sat down and wrote this long, lengthy letter. I was going to give it to him the next morning. He wouldn't have been able to read it anyway. Dude. Yeah, all right. But yeah, my handwriting's horrible. <laughs> Your penmanship <laughs> is terrible. And so I called uh, a friend, and at the time, Dave Stanley actually is who I called. He was mm. on our board. And I said, hey, Dave, I just need to run this by you. And I, I, so I read it to him. And I said, so what do you think? He goes, you're, you're right. He said, you're right in all, everything you said. Mm. And I went, yes. And, and he said, but it doesn't sound like you. Hmm. And I just went, oh, shoot. And he was right. 
There's a difference between being right and being righteous at times. I might be right because of the circumstances or whatever, but but being right with God, having a heart to love people, mm. forgive the way he forgives, be long-suffering the way he does. And so I tore it up. Right on. And you know what's really cool about it? Went to practice that afternoon, and that pastor came to me and said, forgive me, I was wow. so far offline. Mm. Uh, been really great friends ever since, even stronger than, than before. Good. And I'd have messed it all up, you know, if I would have walked out in my self-righteousness. Right. Instead of loving people the way God said to. Well, what the enemy was doing is trying to poke at your identity. And, to see and what? the That's calling true. God had on your life to be able to dis- distract you from that and yeah. to bring a seed of insecurity into that. And I'm glad the Lord brought it back around. Um, especially because, I mean, you, you, I am part of a pastor of a church and love the church so much and the local church so much. Yeah. But but that's the thing is when we talk about parachurch ministries, even that, we're talking about paralocal church ministries. Parachurch ministries, they're, they're church ministries, capital oh, yes. C, church ministries. They're, yeah. they're part of necessary to the church and who we are. We're just talking about local churches. It's, it's not quite the same thing. So, But yeah, attack on identity. And, and I, I do, I feel like we have those moments where the Lord has to shape us and, and yeah. change us. And for me, what I love is you talk about praying and asking the Lord to give that love to you for, sure. for people. I did the same thing, but I think it, it well, I know it was, it was definitely not something that just happened. It wasn't like all of a sudden I was just bathed in this overwarming well <laughs> warmth of, of, uh, of love and, and affection for everybody that came across my, my path. It, it didn't work that way. It was yeah. being in an environment in a context of ministry where I kind of had to figure it out. I kind of had to do this because the Lord just kept sending one person after another that were, were not easy to love people yes. and, and frustrating individuals and having to uproot that, even that weed in me of, I, I need your, I need you to be okay with me. I need you to like me. I need you to affirm me. I need you, yeah. Yes, I need these things from you. And I'm not getting that from you because you're so difficult and so frustrating. And so the natural tendency was to get bitter and angry and, and not care for them. But having to, to just do business with the Lord on all of that, let him expose all of that, go through all the things he wanted me to go through. And it was just this gradual thing, you know, where it was suddenly you really can look back and you don't even know exactly where it happened. But you just look back and go, I, I really do love these people. And, mm-hmm. and they're, as you would say, knotheads sometimes or knuckleheads <laughs> sometimes, but, but they're, they're loved by Jesus. And, and that's what we're called to do. That's what Peter, Paul, I mean, all these guys write saying, love God's people, do it well. You know, I, I think of, um, we always want to have God's curriculum in our life mm-hmm. to be simple and easy. Yeah. God just manifests And then you know what? Sometimes he does. I mean, crazy. <laughs> he does. He just yeah. poof. You've got that love, you know, yep. but, um, but more times than not as the teacher, in the next podcast I'm running is pay attention to the teacher. Mm. Um, nice. and, uh, it's as the, we God's always teaching us these things and the curriculum is usually ever, um, growingly harder. Yeah. It keeps ratcheting it up really? just like we are in school. You know, what we learn in, in grade school is not like high school and high school, not like college. You continue to take harder and harder courses, and and Scripture tells us that you know it's the hard things in life that make us perfect, complete, lacking in nothing, as it right. says in James one. 
or gives us perseverance and hope that doesn't disappoint in Romans 5. And so we avoid the hard things, but it's those hard things, as we're open to what the teacher is teaching us through them, that sets us free to have his character, free to enjoy his love, enjoy his people, uh, and to be the person that he's called us to be. But I also know as a parent, it's still you have this internal battle where you don't want your kids to experience anything difficult. And it's like this weird thing of going, I know they need to. They have to go through hardship. They have to struggle. They have to fail. They have to fall on their face because that's how they're going to grow. And the most important thing that we should all want for our kids is not to live a comfortable, easy, pain-free life. It's, It's to see the character of Christ developed in them. Yeah. And that doesn't happen without the furnace. It doesn't happen without the fire. But it's still such a battle as a parent. And I'm, I'm confessing this to, to you and I guess everybody else listening right now, that I still struggle with that. You know, as, as uh, was it Ben Sass, right, Senator of Nebraska, he wrote a book called The Vanishing American Adult. And, and one of the statements he made in there that I loved, he said, we as a society, we, we have to do a better job of celebrating scar tissue. <laughs> That's a great I way of putting love it. the way he phrased it, but it's so true. You know that yeah. we we want all of the benefits of of wisdom and experience of having gone through hard things. We want that for our kids, but we're unwilling to allow them to go through hard things, and we want to bubble wrap them and protect them against anything. And it's it's not the healthy thing for them. They they need to be able to to fail and fall, so we can be there and show them who Jesus is for them in those moments. And I feel like you always did a really good job of that. I mean, I know you probably had the internal struggles as well. Oh, big time. Um, but whether Super it was let me go down our long driveway on a big wheel. Um, That's awesome. Risking traffic <laughs> in my life. Uh, or, or Your mom really got upset with us on that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, we had plenty of those secrets. It was good. Um, but, uh, whether it was doing those kinds of things, physically endangering or, or, or even just, just giving some leash on and making decisions that you knew would not end well. Um, you, you allowed me that freedom. And, you know, there were other times that, that you would come to me and just say, Hey, yeah, I feel like you may be thinking about doing this. And I was, and it always kind of freaked me out going, man, God tells my dad everything. <laughs> Most kids get in trouble for doing something. I get in trouble just for thinking about doing something. This is not fair. Um, there were those moments too, but then plenty of others where I know that you were aware of, of choices that I would have been making, that I was making, but allowed me to live in the consequence of those as a part of what was needed for my life. And so that was a big deal. And I hope and pray I can do the same. Right, <laughs> look over at my son. He's, <laughs> you know, that, that's uh, premature rescue wrecks. Mm, yeah. You know, it really does. And, it, and it's the hardest thing in the world, knowing that your kids are making choices that will potentially bring them heart, yeah. heartache and, and hurt. And, I, and it's such a balance because on one hand, you need to let them do that. But on the other hand, there are times where you come in and you say, hey, you know, as you're praying for your kids, asking Jesus, you know, I, I learned this early with you. I, it was one of those kinds of things where you inherited my stubbornness. And, and yeah. you, you never got stubborn on anything. Except when you really thought you were right about something, which was always. So that's no, it wasn't always, but it was a lot of the time, most of the time. Uh, and so it was like, well, why would you argue if you didn't think you're right? Exactly. Right? Exactly. You know. So although I did that plenty of times too. So sure. it was, uh, you know, so to be able to 
to be able to say, Lord, who is my son? Who, are, who is my daughter? And, you know, he's given us shepherdship responsibility for yeah. his sheep. Yeah. You know, you're his sheep more than, than mine to begin with. Uh, but as, as I'm the under shepherd, hmm. um, that means I believe with all my heart that God will help parents know how to handle his sheep. Yeah. If we would spend the time on our knees asking them, Lord, who is my son? Who is my daughter? Right. What are they struggling with? What's going on in their lives? And, and I asked the Lord to be able to show me what was going on in your life before it manifested into action. Yeah. And that's why sometimes I just, yeah, I come in and go, <laughs> hey, bud, <laughs> maybe this was bad pizza from last night, but are you wrestling with this? Yeah. And I, I, I am always amazed at the times that you just go look at me and go, yeah, I was waiting for you to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew the routine. There are times like that that are important to, that's not a rescue. That's a, uh, a training right. to give you the tools to avoid it, mm. you know, to, to walk past it, um, as it talks about in Proverbs, and, and to not look towards it, to not be there in yeah. it. And that's especially good as parents if we can do that because consequences can be, in today's culture for young people, the consequences are growing ever more difficult and damaging. You know, when I was growing up, if I did something not had the consequence, maybe I'd get grounded. Or today it can cost a life, a limb. It can cost a lifetime reputation. Right. You know, because people have a hard time letting you live anything but that. Yep. Of course, Jesus can still overcome that. Sure. But um, I think as parents, if we can really spend the time with Jesus mm -hmm. on behalf of our family yeah. and, and help them to detour around those difficult uh, choices, that would be good. Yeah. I think that would really help. Well, and, and, and talking to him more than we just talk to them. And we, we yeah. talk our kids to death today. We do. We just yeah. we tell them all the things, and, be, and we don't let them experience any of it. You know, it's, it's, like, yeah. a, it's like your kids learning to drive, and, and our way of teaching them to drive is never letting them actually sit in the driver's seat. We, we, just, we just start telling them everything about what we're doing and what they need to do when they drive as we're driving and they're not doing anything. You know, at some point, you got to get out of the driver's seat and let your kid put his hands on the wheel or her hands on the wheel and feet on the gas pedal and experience all the terror that comes with that as a parent and get in the passenger seat and be there to intervene if necessary, to, yeah. to step in when it's needed, if there's a major danger, but also let them learn, yeah. let them learn. And it's a scary thing. I completely get it. Um, but there's no other way. Otherwise we're going to raise a lot of kids who know all about driving, but have no clue how to do it themselves. Um, and, and so I, I do think that, that talking to Jesus about that is the primary way we can yeah. maybe detach I've cut the apron strings a bit and, and detach things. Well, it helps us know when to step in yeah. and when not to. Right. You know, when to, to come in and say, hey, this is not where you want to be. Yeah. And when to let go and let you learn the hard way. Yeah. Uh, and you and I, you and I both have, we're really proficient at learning the hard way uh, <laughs> on those things. Um, yeah. And I, I love that idea that, you know, there comes a time, and I tell this to parents all the time, just like you said, that we need to spend more time talking to Jesus yeah. about them instead of talking to them about Jesus. Right. And that's, that's a scary thing to do. Yeah. 
but um, he's the one that ultimately has responsibility for you. You know, one of the things that, uh, that if I would ever, I learned this late in life, and which is really hard, you had to endure the fact that I was a late learner in this particular area. When you have a driven parent um, that has a little bit of Don Quixote that wants to fight the windmills and, right. and, and absolutely protect you and wants to be the Messiah for your life, you know, to rescue you and save you, um, we have a tendency to come in and tell you what needs corrected or how you want to correct it. And then we back up and tell you the same thing in a different way. Yeah. And then we back up again and tell you the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Until we see the point where your eyes are so glazed that there's absolutely <laughs> no communication going on there and you have to endure it. And so anytime that the parents come in to have that talk, the first thought is, oh, please, Lord, I will not do this again as long as you don't make me endure this talk again. And, uh, so, and, so my son is, is actually looking at me like he knows what you're talking about. Dad. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard because when we're desperately want to make sure that you know. And so one of the things I've learned since then, the Lord's taught me, and I'm constantly sharing with counsel, you know, my counseling with people, especially speaking to conferences for parents, is tell them and then ask them, hmm. can you tell me what I just shared with you? That's good. That's good. You know, and I'm sorry that you had to go through the other. <laughs> Apologize to your grandson because apparently they're still having to go through this. This is good learning for me too. <laughs> no, that's really good. Yeah. Tell them and ask them. Amen. And then if they don't get it, you can go back through and help them understand that. Right. Any, any parental advice that you give to those that are listening here that... I think what I would speak to and what I've seen so often needed is a shift in thinking with a lot of, a lot of moms and dads who are trying to hold down the fort and keep, keep, just keep their family healthy and doing the right things and being, being the family that they know God has called them to be. I think the, the paradigm shift for so many, even as we talked about so many of the challenges with, with the church, right, and loving people and and that, that church family and community being forged and going through hardship and, and loving each other through it, um, parents really do need to start understanding their role with their family as, as pastoral, as, as shepherding roles Excellent. to, to Excellent. not just be prophetic and, and speak to their kids, but as you were talking about, but, but to be shepherds in their kids' lives. And Sometimes it means seeing them wander and letting them learn. Sometimes it means being there, walking alongside of them. Sometimes it means intervening. But I think if we can start understanding that our family is our first church mm. and, and that, that moms and dads are the, the leaders and shepherds of that family and their, their task first and foremost is not to keep their kids alive and not to keep them pain-free and not going through anything hard. Their task is to, to make, disciples of Jesus out of their kids. And that's, that's their, the, the whole reason God has entrusted those kids to them. And if we can grab hold of that, I, th I think it may shift a lot of how we approach even our discipline and the things that we celebrate versus the things that we try to avoid and, and all of the above. I think it'll change our priorities and our value system um, in a lot of different ways. So just, I guess that'd be the encouragement is moms and dads know who you are in your kids' lives and what God has called you to and make disciples of them. That's the gatekeeper responsibility. Right. You know, that we want to protect our kids from evil and, and encourage them to be exposed to the good of Christ. Yeah. And know how to follow him. 
you know, along that same line, one of the things I learned when you were growing up is that sometimes you could click my trigger on occasions you did that. (laughs) You know, when you're really young, especially, you know, and I just like, oh, Lord. And I learned that that I was not to punish you. And we have a tendency in our discipline to go, I'm going to punish you for your wrong action. Right. Because you need to know there are consequences to that. There's natural consequences to doing wrong things. You know, uh, and of course, there's a place for for that spare the rod, spoil the child Mm -hmm. and and all of that. But the Lord said, what I'm supposed to be doing is disciplining you. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Lord does for us when he talks about in Hebrews, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Right. And the idea behind that is to correct the behavior. Yeah. And so I would, I learned that when you would really click my trigger, I don't know if you remember this, but I would look at you and go, which time? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, you need to go to your bedroom and I need to go talk to Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got me that. so mad right now, I can hardly stand it. You better pray that I hear from him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you go to your bedroom and I go spend time with Jesus. And then he'd calm my heart and direct my actions. And then I'd come in and go, hey, you're grounded for a couple of days or whatever yeah. it was. And it was always out of love then. Right. I, I, the discipline was done out of love to correct your behavior, yeah. not to punish you. Right. I don't know if you felt the difference on that. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And I, and I do think that, that I, gratefully, that's something that, that my kids have been able to experience too and, and had to take those moments. But yeah, I, I think that, that there's a reason those discipleship, discipline, same root word, right? Yeah, same yeah. root word. And, and it's about not just behavioral modification, but, but conforming our behavior to, to the behavior of Jesus as his spirit is working in us and, and changing us. You know? But that's, and, that's what it is. And that results in transformation. That's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. But that's discipleship. It's, it's becoming like Christ and living as he lived, doing what he did, acting as he acted, reacting as he reacted, having loving as he character, loved, yeah. having his character. And yeah. so discipline is a vital part of that. And I think self-disciplining before the Lord is always preferable to having to be disciplined <laughs> by others. Amen. But yeah, it's, it's a good thing. So. Good. Cool. Well, anything else you'd like to leave with people before we wrap this up? Not at all. Praying for all you guys. Thanks for letting me join in on the podcast today. Oh, my blessing. Uh, For all the rest of you, um, we hope and pray that uh, anything we shared today will really help you and give you some tools. I just want to close with this one reminder. We as parents are always under condemnation, Hmm. whether it be self-condemnation or comments (laughs) from other people. And I want to remind you that nobody has perfect kids except for our Heavenly Father and Jesus. Hmm. But the mass number of children that our Heavenly Father has (laughs) are very imperfect (laughs) children. And if perfection means having perfect kids, our Heavenly Father is a major failure. Hmm. Because think about how you have acted and how we act. And so don't get caught up in this performance orientation that you have to have perfect kids Mm. and if anybody in fact ever comes up to you and says oh you need to get your kids act together a little bit more just say you know i i know we're working on that but the good news is i feel comfort in the fact that that uh, my heavenly father feels the same way about you Mm. and about me (laughs) that we need to get our acts together too but he's the one that's going to help him so 
being a, a, a perfect father or being a, a perfect parent is not being having perfect children. It's always pushing and encouraging and helping them have a relationship with the one that can make them perfect. That's right. And that's Jesus. That's right. So I hope that comforts you today. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to seeing you next time. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss another episode of Monty Sharp and the Gatekeepers Initiative. Don't forget, each of us has our gates of influence in our lives that can radically change the world around us. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm looking forward to being with you again next time. May the Lord richly and wonderfully bless you.